Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are here visiting with us. We come from a long heritage that teaches that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you say with me the words by which we light our chalice? In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our opening words today from Carol Meyer. We are people of all ages who enter this space, bringing our joys and our concerns. We come together in hope. We greet each other warmly with our voices and our smiles. We come together in peace. We light the chalice to symbolize our interdependence and our unity. We come together in harmony. We share our growth and our aspirations. We come together in wonder. We share our losses and our disappointments. We come together in sorrow. We share our concern and our compassion. We come together in love. We come to this place bringing our doubts and our faith. We come together as seekers. We sing and we pray and listen. We speak and read and dream. We think and ponder and reflect. We cry and laugh and center. We mourn and celebrate and meditate. We strive for justice and for mercy. We come together in worship. Please join me in affirming the words of our mission here at First UU Austin. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. I'm going to talk to you about my favorite spiritual practice this morning. I want to read you a story I wrote about it first to begin. It's from a book of mine called Waking Up the Karma Fairy. That's something you don't want to do. The story is called Thank You, I'm Going Downhill. Let me explain something about me and spiritual practice. I stink at it. There's nothing I do serenely day after day, glowing from within, filled with light and peace. The practice of mindfulness, for example, makes me so irritable I have to quit after a minute or two. Washing dishes with my whole focus, breathing into the water, doing a careful job, Emptying my mind of all other tasks than this one, just doing this one thing. (laughs) My mind and body are happy doing five things at once. I have to find a practice that suits me. Gratitude is the one thing that's been working well so far. I was on my way down the mountains from Saluda on Interstate 26, when 
A mile after Saluda, my car's engine turned off. I was going downhill, and for some reason my spiritual practice of gratitude kicked in. Thank you that I'm going downhill, I began, popping the clutch to jump the engine back to life. Nada. When the grade rose again, I coasted to a stop on the shoulder of the road. After trying to start the car two more times, I gave up, got out, and leaning against the trunk of the car, stood facing traffic. Thank you that it's not too hot, I said, making my hand into the internationally recognized telephone symbol, my thumb and pinky extended, holding it up by my ear. Thank you that so many people have cell phones now. Thank you that I'm not in my pajamas. I looked down, and there was an orange and black butterfly sitting in some grass by the highway. Thank you for the beauty of that butterfly. Look, there's another one, and another one. They must be migrating. Oh, that one's dead. Oh, thank you for the other ones that are alive. After ten minutes of signaling to passing drivers to call in about me, I started walking to Saluda. Thank you that I'm not thirsty, I muttered. Thank you that I have shoes on I can walk in. Thank you that it's only a mile to Saluda from here. Thank you that I don't have to go to the bathroom. Thank you that it's not raining. After maybe four minutes, I saw a highway patrol car coming north on the other side of the median. I waved to him and he waved back. (laughs) Thank you that the officer saw me. Thank you that he's turning around. He pulled to a smooth stop beside me and motioned for me to get in. Thank you that it's so cool in this car, I continued silently in my head. I'm not nuts. Thank you that I don't have to walk all the way to Saluda. The patrolman told me that the phone lines had lit up with calls about me. A lot of people have cell phones these days. The nearest towing company was down in Columbus, he told me, and it would probably take more than an hour for them to get free and come help me. He was willing to take me to the gas station in Saluda, where there was a payphone I could use. He radioed the dispatcher to get a phone number for the towing company. She gave it to him, and I had just enough time to write it down as we swung into the gas station and jerked to a sudden stop. A huge black truck was barreling right at us. It screeched to a dramatic stop, barely avoiding locking bumpers with the patrol car. It was the tow truck. (laughs) Heard you ask for my number over the radio, the red-headed man said, laughing, sliding out of the cab. I'd heard the calls about her being broke down, and I was on my way down the road right north of here, almost beat you. I'm the luckiest person I know. And maybe I've hit upon a spiritual practice with instant results. (laughs) Either way, I'll take it. Let me start with why have a spiritual practice? What's the point? I have a spiritual practice, so what are you practicing for? Well, a spiritual practice is to make you a deeper and richer person to help you handle life's twists and spins better, to be better to live with and to work with and to have a happy life. A lot of people in the Unitarian Universalist Church want to know, what do you mean by spiritual? Here's what I mean, which has absolutely no bearing on what you have to mean about it. 
The answer that I work with comes from um, one of the verses of the Christian scriptures in the book of Galatians that I had to memorize as a child. It's one of the only ones I'm really happy that I memorized. And it has a list of the fruits of the Spirit. And so I figure if these fruits of the Spirit are growing and uh, plump and juicy and colorful, then my spiritual practice is doing well, my spirit is healthy, and if these spiritual fruits are shriveling and looking uh, dried up and ready to fall off the tree, then my spirit is in trouble. What are the fruits? They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as long as those things are growing in me, then I'm good. And anything that makes those things grow in me, like um, uh, walking, riding a bike, uh, talking to my beloved, going to the movies, uh, uh, coming to church, preaching for you, writing books, those things are the things that make my spirit happy. So those are my spiritual practice. And anything that makes my spirit shrink, uh, paperwork, clogging, going to the DMV, too much bluegrass, all of that stuff... (laughs) Sorry, did I say that out loud? (laughs) It's bad for my spirit. That's how I know. You're welcome to make your own list, add to mine, or just use mine for a while, whatever you want to do. I think that a practice of gratitude starts with habits of attention. Habits of attention. It's where you put your attention. Where do you choose to put your attention? What do you pay attention to? What do you, you get what you pay for. So what do you pay attention to? You pay attention to the, the good stuff that's happening? Or are you like one of those um, systems analysts who can see any situation and you find the flaw? Because if you pay attention to the good stuff, your life gets filled up with good stuff. And if you pay attention to the flaws only... Then you get filled up with flaws. You're just surrounded by imperfection. Then it might be irritating. It would be to me. So you get what you pay for when you pay attention. Do you pay attention at times when you're lucky or times when you're unlucky? Do you feel like a, a, a fortunate person or do you feel like an unfortunate person? These are choices that we make about our habits of attention. And habits of attention shape your experience. You can pay attention to times that um, people on the religious right are, are kind and um, sensible and uh, liberal uh, with their money and care. Or you pay attention to times when uh, they say uh, things that sound stupid to you or uh, do things that seem ridiculous. You could pay attention to times when um, the people around you act like idiots or pay attention to the times when people around you do something good. Either way, you're surrounded by idiots or you're surrounded by people who are trying to do their best. See what I mean? It shapes your experience. And we go through phases. Uh, but then we remind ourselves, okay, I get what I pay for when I pay attention. So I'm going to pay attention to better stuff. Fill up my life with those things. And when you're uh, making a decision for a practice of gratitude, and you start paying attention to the good things, things that are going well, and you say thank you, um, you say thank you to the life that we all share, like our hymn said, or you say thank you God, or thank you higher power, or thank you calm soul of all things, or ground of being, or thank you universe, or just thank you. And Meister Eckhart um, 
said that if the only prayer you ever uttered in your life was thank you, you would have a great prayer life. It's just not that complicated. Cicero was born about a century before Rabbi Jesus, or as my eighth grade Latin teacher would say, Kikaro. He wrote, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. By the 18th century, the free market thinker Adam Smith, in his theory of moral sentiments, supposed that people who did not feel gratitude were only cheating themselves out of happiness in their life. In the 19th century, Immanuel Kant described ingratitude as the essence of vileness. Gotta love the Germans. <laughs> the essence of vileness. And the poet Rumi said, wear gratitude like a cloak and it will feed every corner of your life. That'd be something you could say to yourself a hundred times a day and it wouldn't be too bad for the next two weeks. Wear gratitude like a cloak and it will feed every corner of your life. I am still in the stage of spiritual development where uh, I am not a saint or holy person. Um, I think I aspire to that, but I'm not sure because they always seem a little crazy to me. But um, I'm in that stage of spiritual development where I am grateful for the good things. I'm just grateful for the things that are going well. That makes sense to me. But the people uh, higher on the mountain than I say that you should be grateful in the midst of all things. And the ones really high up on the mountain even venture to say you should be grateful for all things. Cannot go there yet. But I'm willing to consider it. I think it's a really interesting idea. Um... I want to introduce you to a woman named Etty Hellesum. We have a lot of diaries that were recovered after World War II from the people who were killed. Anne Franks was one. Etty Hellesums was another. She was a Dutch Jew who was living in Amsterdam, and she wrote this in her diary. Sometimes when I stand in some corner of the camp, my feet planted on earth, my eyes raised toward heaven. Tears run down my face. Tears of deep emotion and gratitude. She was in Auschwitz. Her entry for July 3rd, 1942 reads, I must admit a new insight in my life and find a place for it. What is at stake is our impending destruction and annihilation. They are out to destroy us completely, and we must accept that and go on from there. Very well, then, I accept it. I work and continue to live with the same conviction, and I find life meaningful. I wish I could live for a long time so that one day I may know how to explain it. And if I am not granted that wish, well, then somebody else will perhaps do it and carry on where my life has been cut short. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of injustice, she believed the effort to preserve in one's heart a spirit of gratitude and love and forgiveness was the highest aspiration. 
That is a spirituality final exam. That is an amazing goal to have for your spiritual development. You can sit in the middle of suffering and keep your heart open in love, forgiveness, and gratitude. I don't know if I could be like that in a camp. I don't know if you could or not. I think it's always surprising who uh, holds up in a situation like that and who falls apart. And I don't think there's any way to know in advance. And I want to say falling apart is not a bad thing because, goodness, if you're in a situation of suffering and injustice, whatever you do is okay. Really, you have to give yourself room. So uh, I'm... I think about her, and when I think about her and I think, uh, I worry sometimes in my life when I'm practicing gratitude, is it misguided to be grateful in a bad situation? Is that just dumb? And then I think, well, how could it make it worse, really? And it might make it better. Pretty good gamble. Might as well try all the religions of the world, say to do it. Only 100% of them. <laughs> when I lived in Israel for six months, people in Jerusalem had a pretty well-grounded sense of gratitude. When your life or the life of somebody you love could be just exploded in a moment... When the bomb goes off, you hear the bombs every now and then. You'll hear a bomb. You can tell the difference between a sonic boom and a bomb because the Air Force is always flying over. You hear a sonic boom. If you hear sirens after, it was a bomb. You're, you, you learn. Your ears kind of go boom, boom. And your inner ears can tell whether it was a sonic boom or a bomb. And you get to the place pretty quickly where you hear a bomb go off, you hear the sirens, and you go, ah, that was three blocks away. No big deal. You keep going, and there's a very well-grounded sense of gratitude and aliveness. And I'm not saying it makes them sweet. No, no, no. If you've ever been to Israel, you know that people are not sweet. They're, they're, but they're very alive. And they know they're all in this together. You get on a public bus, somebody's peeling a cucumber in the front row, they take a bite, they pass it back. Everybody has a bite and talks about how sweet and beautiful a cucumber is. You're alive for that day, and it's good. And now I see them uh, retaliating against a terrorist attack by shelling the people, the men, the women, the children in the Gaza Strip mercilessly. And I am filled with sorrow. And I'm wondering, can I stand with this pain? Could I stand in the Gaza Strip could I stand there with suffering and injustice and think I'm having room in my, I'm keeping my heart open rather than shutting it like an iron cage? Do I keep it open with forgiveness and gratitude and love? Is that possible? And I think it might be possible. It might be possible. One of the writers about gratitude um, says that gratitude is an expression of trust. And I think, how is that? And then I think about Theodore Parker, the Unitarian minister, 
um, who said the arc of the universe bends toward justice. It was quoted by Dr. King a century later. The arc of the universe bends toward justice, he said. So what he believed, what he was postulating, is that things are eventually going to get more just. So do you believe that justice and love are the real base of reality? Do you believe that they are the most real thing, the constant, and that the pain and the war and the craziness is temporary and that you'll get back to love and justice? Or do you believe that the pain is the base of things? And the craziness is the base of things. And that love and justice are just temporary. And then you get back to the craziness. And you know what? Nobody knows. And so you can choose either way. My friends. Gratitude puts you squarely in the moment. And it puts you squarely in the camp of the people who believe that love and justice are the eventual winners. How would we rather live? I wrote a song about this. It's um, an argument that I had with a Christian mystic named Julian of Norwich. And she said, all will be well and all will be well and all manner of things will be well. And it became my mantra for a while. And um, of course I had to argue with her. I'm a Unitarian Universalist. Your part is what she said. And she said, All will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well. Try it with me if you'd like. All will be well. holding my hand she said all will be well all will be well all manner of things will be well and I said Julian do you not know do you not know about sorrow and Julian do you not know do you not know about pain I said Julian do you not know, do you not know about hunger and Julian? Do you not know, do you not know about shame? She said, all will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. And I said, Julian, do you not know, do you not know? About loneliness and Julian, do you not know? Do you not know about disease? And I said, Julian, do you not know? Do you not know about? 
about cruelty. I said, Julian, it's too much. It's brought me to my knees. But she said, all will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well. And she said, no one does not know, does not know. About sorrow, Maggie, no one does not know, does not know about pain. She said, no one does not know, does not know about hunger. And no one does not know, does not know about shame. She said, all will be well, all will be well, all manner of said no one does not know does not know about loneliness and no one does not know does not know about disease she said no one does not know does not know about cruelty she said i know it's too much it brought me to my knees where i heard all will be well all will be well all manner of things will be well. And she said, baby girl, do you not know, do you not know about tenderness? She said, baby girl, do you not know, do you not know about friends? She said, baby girl, do you not know, do you not know about the spirit? And she said, baby girl, do you not know? It's only love that never ends. Only love that never ends. And so all will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well. And so all will be well. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.